Welcome back to another episode of Force Proximity. We're a husband and wife team that read romance books and watch romance movies. I'm romance reader Jonathan, and with me is my wife, romance writer... Megan. (laughs) It's Megan. Megan. What'd you... Oh, you just were pausing for a long time. I thought you wanted me to... Yeah, because I changed things and I I messed up. It's okay. Because I wrote romance reader... Romance writer and romance author. It's the same thing. So I took out the book part. Oh, okay. Well, I'm Megan. <laughs> well, this week's episode features book three of the Brown Sister series, Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show and allows us to reach more listeners. You can also ask us questions in the review section of Apple Podcasts or DM us on Instagram at Forest Proximity Podcast. All right. Should right. I get into my synopsis? Yes. And I don't have a trivia for you. I can look one up if you want. Yeah. It's the only thing you have to do. I know. It's just <laughs> I got out of the habit because we had... Three weeks off with no trivia. Yeah. So um, why don't you do your synopsis and I will look up some good trivia. Okay. Okay. Eve Brown is the youngest daughter from a well-to-do family. Eve has tried her hand at about every career you can think of, only to fail every time. She is the conductor of the Hot Mess Express. Her family, (laughs) at their wit's end, cuts her off from her trust fund until she can find employment And stay employed for one year. A perturbed Eve goes for a drive to get away when she ends up in a different county altogether and notices a BB and b looking for a new cook. She peeks her head in and asks for an interview without even filling out any applications. The owner of the B&B, Jacob, immediately cannot stand her while simultaneously is extremely attracted to her. (laughs) After Eve leaves the interview, Jacob's best mate, Monty, convinces him to hire her. Eve then proceeds to accidentally run Jacob over with her car, breaking his wrists and giving him a concussion. Quite upset, Eve vows to work at the BNB only until Jacob is back on his feet. The time they spend together leads to chemistry. The breakfast at the Castile Cottage is served hot but not as hot as what's being served in the bedroom. (laughs) Oh, that was, that was the appropriate level of cheese. (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) You're really good at coming up with cheesy lines. Maybe you should be the romance writer. Um, no, (laughs) I will not be doing that. (laughs) Okay. I have my trivia. What is the theme? The theme is cats. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Our cat, Salami, is joining us tonight. She is wandering around the studio, seeing how she can get on every single shelf. And seeing how high she can get. Uh, Yeah, and under everything. If she can't get high enough, she has to go in things. So her favorite spots are inside the couch, (laughs) underneath the bottom cushions, because our couch is broken, so it has a hole in the bottom, and on top of anything. Yeah. So 
in honor of salami, we're going to see if you are a true cat person. Okay. Okay. What is a group of kittens called? A cloud. No. It is a kindle. A kindle? Yeah, isn't that cute? I thought it was a cloud of kittens. Well, according to this, it's called a kindle of kittens. Okay. It fits with the book podcast, too. Yeah. Um, at what age is a cat no longer considered a kitten? Do you hear this, Salami, because this pertains to you? Uh, one. Yes. Cats are technically considered kittens until they turn one year old. Oh, she didn't get the memo. No, she didn't. It's at this point when they reach a final plateau in growth and when their kitten-like tendencies really mellow out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not not this cat <laughs> who's climbing up the back of my chair and s- <laughs> sitting right above me. Let's see if I can get a picture. Salami. She's not looking. She's looking at the hole in the ceiling. So she's trying to get in the ceiling now. That's okay. Um, mm, true or false? Cats are more popular pets than dogs. True. True. While there are 94 million household cats in the U.S., there are only about 89 million dogs. Uh, what's the average length of a cat pregnancy? Uh, five months. Two months. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Well, they're tiny, so that doesn't take long for them to develop. No, guess not. Uh, do cats have more or fewer bones than humans? Don't they have the same? No, they have fewer. Fewer? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. They have more. More? Yeah, This this the answer is worded. If you guessed fewer, you're incorrect. Though it's counterintuitive, given their small size, cats actually have more bones than humans. Well, that's probably because they're so agile, so that their bones are not fused as much as ours. Yeah. Um, We have 206. They have between 230 and 250, depending on the cat. Um, That one's boring, so I'm skipping it. That one's boring. How fast can a domesticated cat run? 20 miles an hour. 30. Wow, that's fast. I know. It makes sense when you think about how quickly they race from one end of the house to the other. Zoomies. Zoomies. Um, And a cheetah can reach 76 miles an hour. Okay, here's, here's our last question. True or false, cats are nocturnal creatures. I feel like it's true with shades of gray. Well, this says false. It's a commonly perpetuated myth. Cats are not nocturnal creatures. Oh, I'm sorry. My mic is in front of my phone. Instead, they're what is called crepuscular, (laughs) explains Hill's pet, which means that they're most active during dawn and dusk. These are optimal hunting hours, and the sleeping habits are left over from their ancestors. You may notice your cats get the zoomies around this time. Does it say zoomies? Yes, it does. Or that it's eager to wake you up at the crack of dawn for breakfast. Either way, this is... Well, our cat's food's out all the time, so... (laughs) Because they don't eat it. 
We're, uh, well, we just got these cats six days ago. No, a week ago. Yeah. And they're still adjusting to their new home. And we're adjusting to being their new cat, cat owners. So, but it's been really fun having them. They're good kitties. Even this naughty one. Even this naughty salami that's on the table and everywhere. So, what did you think of the book? <laughs> Thanks for moving my mic, salami. Um, I liked it. It took me a couple of days to, like, read more than seven or eight percent at a time. Yeah, but it was it was a good book. It was a good story. So, is it fair to say that it it took a while you for you to get into it? Um. Yeah. We don't have that question up there anymore. No, I have the movie questions up. Let me fix that. Oh. I didn't even see that. I didn't even see the title of that. Um, yeah, it took me a while to get into it, too. And I think if I hadn't been in the mood to finish a book, I probably wouldn't have gotten far in this. Not to say that it isn't good. It's just very British. And I think that's a weird thing. I didn't find it too British. Mm, you also didn't. I told you to skip a bunch of parts. Yeah. And you didn't need to skip anything either. No. And I, I that was what was Britishy to me. All the parts that I told you to skip. Just the amount of words. Talia Hibbert has a really unique. Well, I would say she has a really unique voice, but this is the only book that I've read of hers. And so far, I'll be reading more. Um, but I remember really loving how Chloe Brown starts. And I've said this before on the podcast. Like, I loved it so much, I couldn't even, like, finish reading it. I had to just stop and designate. Keep it in your back pocket. Yeah, keep it in my back pocket for when I could pay better attention to, like, the beauty of the author's voice. Mm-hmm. And so I was really expecting this to hit me the same way Chloe Brown did. And for some reason, it didn't. So maybe I didn't, you know, going back to Chloe Brown, I wouldn't like it as much. Or maybe Chloe Brown is written differently. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's still in my back pocket. So I need to pull it out. And see I, it. I liked the Britishiness of it. I like Britishy stuff. I do, too. But I'm not talking about like the setting, the fact that he calls his friend mate, <laughs> the fact that like they're in like a small cottage town in like the Lake District. I just, yeah, I, I just I loved imagine the that's where setting. Jude Law lived in. The... Yes, that's a good in, in the holiday. The holiday yeah. That's a really good um, visualization. It's it's the like the writing was British. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. It read like a book to me. <laughs> okay. Well, I have an example of um, the writing, and you can you can see what I mean. And it can either be, you know, poorly edited or just too much, or you can see that it's British. So that's <laughs> what I'm choosing to call it. Um, so, well, you already did the synopsis, but... I yeah. What the fuck? What is the dude's name? Jacob. Jacob. I keep forgetting his name. Jacob. 
he doesn't seem like a Jacob to me. No. It seems just, he doesn't seem like a Jacob. Jacob seems more not autistic. Um, I don't know. So he, he sees Eve Brown. Eve Brown comes into his life. She, he's doing interviews. He hates all of his interviewees. He's interviewing for the chef at his B&B Castell Cottage. And it's he and his friend. His friend is like, listen, you have to just hire somebody because you need a warm body behind the kitchen. Behind the, you know, the kitchen wall. And it's just for breakfast. Yeah. So he's basically just, you know, any of these people can cook. It really doesn't matter. Um, to Jacob, it really does matter. And he needs to get the sense that that they're just perfect for this job. And I see where Monty's coming. It's breakfast. It's not hard. Right. <laughs> and Monty's the one that has been doing the job for the past few days slash weeks. Yeah. So Monty needs to, or Mont needs to stop that. Yeah. He needs to find his own replacement so that he can get back to his pub and do the job that he needs to do. And meanwhile, his friend is sort of taking advantage of him. But he's okay because they've always had that friendship, that type of friendship, where Jacob really relies a whole, whole lot on Mont. And Mont's just used to it. And that's okay. Um, in walks this like, short, voluptuous... I saw I, in one of the other synopsis, I, I read a tornado of a woman. Yes. <laughs> she is like a short, voluptuous woman in a tight T-shirt, like a tight graphic T-shirt and uh, orange glitter lip gloss. And Jacob is like immediately... Like, he's just, like, she's a sensory nightmare for him. And at the same time, I I guess he's, like, craving her sensorily as well. Yeah. So it's this it's this weird autism thing. And he, like, he, te- he says straight off the bat, like, I have autism. I'm allowed to act like this. Yeah. And I love it. It's not, like, he's not excusing himself. He's just, you know, like, oh, you know, by the way, I act like this from time to time. It's it's who I am. We're going to get past it. I'm going to just say it. I'm going to get past it. We're good. Everybody knows this about me. Nobody cares. Um, so he but he really doesn't know what to do when he sees Eve because Eve is just too much. She's just like not like too much woman for him. She's too much like everything for him. Like her lip gloss is offending him and at the same time he wants to kiss her so bad and her tight t-shirt is offending him because like who wears a tight graphic t-shirt to To a job interview interview who doesn't come with a a cv what does that mean it's a curriculum vitae it's um we use that term for like academia but it just means resume okay i know they use cv but I, I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, curriculum vitae. Uh, and she so she comes with no seat. She has an earbud or AirPod in her ear. Yeah. So she's not even like f- fully present for this interview. 
It's just, I think I'll go to a job interview today. And so she just, you know, saunters in. Um, probably she, like, dances in with the flourish. Yeah. And she's like, hey, um, so I I can cook and I need a job and you need to give somebody a job. So why don't I do it? But she has a, also a very posh British accent. I can cook. I took courses at Le Cordon Bleu. Essentially. It wasn't Le Cordon Bleu, but it was something else in Paris. But. Yeah. For pastries, which is what you would make for breakfast right. at a and b You'd be making those danishes and croissants. Yeah. And, yeah. and some eggs. <laughs> yeah. And a full English with warm tomatoes because no one likes cold tomatoes, as she says. I like cold tomatoes. <sighs> I like no tomatoes, <laughs> but I definitely don't like warm tomatoes. Um, so this is what he thinks. This is his internal dialogue when he sees, I think it's when he sees her. Um, her skin was glowing and he suspected that if he touched her cheek, not that he ever, ever would, dear God, unless he suspected she had some kind of deadly fever, in which case, of course, he would have to as an act of human decency. But never mind that. What had he been saying? Oh, yes. If he touched her cheek, he had a feeling she'd be warm like the air in a busy kitchen. So that lets you know what kind of writing the book is. It's so stream of consciousness. And yeah. it can be really hard to read if you don't slow down and read every word and, and you really get into the character's mindset. That's probably what took me so long to get into it because yeah. I was reading it slowly. Well, me too. And at... <sighs> At first, I started like re-editing it, and there are a couple, you know, there are a couple sentences in the first couple of chapters, and I'm like, "What? Where's, where's the? This doesn't correlate. This doesn't really make much sense." So I was re-editing at first, and then I'm like, "You know what? Talia Hibbert does not deserve <laughs> me to re-edit her book for her because I know this is a good one. This is not Real Men Knit Part Two." This is a good one. So we're going to give this its fair share and try again. And and that's when I just decided to look at it. Like, this is just super British. This is yeah. like watching one of those arranging matches movies. And instead of it, you know, to get that visualization of that Mr. Darcy kind of hemming and hawing when... This is the... Ver this is the... The book version of the hand flex. Okay. The stream of conscious that he has in the in all of these scenes because this is not the only stream of conscious. This is like every time she's every time she's around, his brain goes haywire <laughs> with the I would I need to touch you so bad. I need to like need your skin. And it, just, it kind of reminds me of uh was that the last Joe Rogan stand-up we watched? And he's like, you could take a guy that's never seen a woman before and his DNA will just kick in as soon as you see he sees one. He's like, oh, I gotta fuck that. <laughs> that is absolutely what he's thinking. I mean, but in like, you know, an elegant kind of way. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> but, that, but that's what's going on. It's his like animal dna except this is romance so instead of <sighs> the whole reason for romance 
is to elevate above the base instincts the like of but if that's what's going on but i don't think that is okay because she's not just any woman she is the perfect woman yeah it's his his one and only so yes his brain is going haywire like that but thank goodness for romance <laughs> and we <laughs> I mean, no woman would read a romance. Of course like not. Like that. Of course not. <laughs> so, yeah, that just like, I don't know, really. I don't know. That was like such a huge turnoff. Now I'm thinking, like, I don't know. Because <laughs> the whole point of this book. Is that she's not just anybody. She's his fated mate. And and likewise, he is to her as well. Oh, salami. <laughs> <sighs> oh my goodness. This cat is going crazy. It is bad. It's bad to have a cat in the recording studio. I know. But she's cute. I know. But not... <laughs> Two are people who are hearing crinkling plastic right now. <laughs> Sorry if you hear the crinkling plastic. The kitty can't get settled in the wall. Um. Okay, so where were we? Jonathan, would you like to add anything to this podcast? <laughs> I did. <laughs> made it gross. I know. <laughs> Okay, so let's go on with our questions. All right. So I think you went on with what didn't work for you. What was that? It was very British. Well, yeah, putting it like that, what didn't work for me is like his dream of conscious, which seems like, you know, it's a cutesy style of writing right now, but at the same time, I feel... I like it's really short lived and like it's not gonna you the uh you you were mentioning as we were both reading it, you didn't like how he was so middle schoolish, yes, okay, thank you, so this is an enemies to lovers, but why, yeah, I was just gonna add that why why? Did it, it didn't need to be. Right. I I mean, it felt, you have... It felt forced. You have the, you know, the autism thing does not automatically make a story enemies to lovers just because somebody is trying to, like, somebody can't, someone doesn't know how to talk through their feelings. So autism doesn't necessarily equate to, what is it called? Enemies to lovers. Sorry, I'm so low energy. <laughs> I just had to get the cat out of the room, so I paused the, the recording. So hopefully I won't be as distracted, but I still will be very distracted. Uh... Yeah, you just kept saying... You did have an issue with it being enemies to lovers because it just felt 
force, like I said. I get it. I get why you would be enemies to lovers in in a non-extraordinary circumstance. Yeah. Um, because especially, like, I don't know how to talk to men. I never did. Now I do. Now that I'm married, I understand how to talk to men. And I can be, like, open and free and, like, treat them like normal people. But when I was single, I absolutely couldn't. I... I had I, n- I couldn't say a word to them. Really? Yes. I never had like it was very rare when I had any kind of male friendship and when I did they were as weird as me. And and it was it always took a lot out of me to hang out with them because I was just constantly second guessing every word that I said like oh is he going to think this or is he going to think this? Like it, it wasn't just there was nothing natural about any relationship between me and a guy um, before you. And you came and I just. I was just done. <laughs> like I was done. Caring. Like at the point, and it's exactly Eve says this later in the book. I saw you highlighted something about that. Yes, and and it's the same. And I've said it before, but at the time you came around, I was just like, I did not care if I ever dated. I did not care if like what anybody thought of me. I only cared about saying the truth and being real and. Like, I I just, you know, I just didn't care. Like, I didn't even want any friends. So, like, F you. If you don't like me, walk away. It's no skin off my back. And you were the first person that I was able to do that with. And, and then, and you, and I think it was because, like, my honesty, and I became a real person. I wasn't scared to say things and I wasn't second guessing everything because I wasn't focused on what is he going to think? I'm just going to say what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. And so I think you were the first person that was able to see the real me. Yeah. Besides people, besides women that I've known for 10 years. So, um, yeah, so I, I totally understand being standoffish, but the f- the amount he was making her his enemy was just, it was... It was too much. It was too much. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it was like middle school hair pulling for no reason. And she even put in the part about like the hitting him with the car. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that was in there. So Eve runs over Jacob with her car. And it was like a bad run over, not just like... Oh, I hit you and now you have a bruise on your thigh. It was like she puts him in the hospital for several hours. And then when he when he comes home, his arm is his wrist is broken and he has, he has a his concussion. butt That's a big is deal. bruised. He has a concussion. Um, he has some like bruised ribs. He has he, I mean, his whole body is bruised. So he's in a lot of pain and she has to stay at the B&B longer. And. Not only take care of the B&B, but kind of take care of him as well. Um, So. And the whole time he's really fighting it. And I understand she. Yeah, she hit you with your car. 
But that's more that's less of a plot device to keep up the enemies to lovers act and more to keep it a forced proximity act. Yeah. So that she can she assist him. So she, yeah. 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 It, that I think it would that was that'd be much better to go that route. Yeah, I mean I just don't I think they could have cut out like a like a third of his hemming and hawing about her. I agree with that. And I know part of it is because, you know, she's an employee and he wants to, like, you know, need her flesh so much. That's my <laughs> words. But, like, the way he talk he talks about her, like, she is just this plump Pillsbury Doughboy and he just wants to, like, get his fingers on her because her skin is, I mean, I'm imagining this skin is just, like, glowy and she's, like, lit from within and it's, like, like, just velvet and he just wants to like stim on her like yeah <laughs> but at the same time he is attracted to her and he wants to do more and then eventually he falls for her personality and he like he, he loves her really really deeply and really quickly which is another thing i liked about this so when they finally drop the enemies to lovers did. thing yes they both do when they finally drop the enemies to lovers act, it's like, oh, thank God we can get on with it. Yeah. Let's I, get on with the story. What was that? Like at about 45% of the book? Yes. Took a long time to get there. Yeah. But I agree like, with all of that. It was just, it was too much of the enemies to lovers. And once we got past it, then the story became really fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. Right at like... Not that it wasn't good before that. It's like, oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. But exactly. It's too much. There are some things. Um, oh, did anything not work for you besides I'm going to agree with that. Okay. I I didn't like the, the middle. I told you at first, like in that first 40%, I was like, I don't like Jacob. Yes. He's such a douche. Did your opinion change? Yeah. I ended up liking him. Oh, okay. I ended up liking him a lot too. But yeah, at first it was like, this is tedious. This yeah. is every autistic guy in a book ever and in a TV show. It's just a character caricature. And then he. Yeah, it's reading Sheldon. Yes. Then he got better. Yeah. And I, I totally, I'm on board with his, the things that he doesn't like about Eve. I would also resent somebody or disdain someone who showed up for a, an interview of in a course. graphic tee. Like of that's course. horrible. And not even not even in a graphic tee, but not even scheduled to show up. Yeah, how she presumptuous. Just, like waltzes in and she doesn't even give a good excuse. She's like, "I'm here." Yeah. Like it's not she could have been like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I was just driving by your quaint little town and I'm looking for a new place to live." And no a new job. Yeah, she could have just said that. But I think that's part of like how her needing to grow. Yes. Because she was so spoiled brat. And I think she was so... I don't think she was a spoiled brat. Well, she I think was. She, just, she was just a nice person, too, yes. that did stuff yeah, for people. Yeah, that's true. And tried hard, but she was still spoiled. Yeah, and she did have that, that air of, you owe me this. Yeah. And she was nice about it. But yes that she was entitled it's very weird entitled to, she entitled, has a trust nice. fund how many people have a trust fund would not be entitled 
Uh, I don't know. I Oh, I don't know anyone with a trust fund. Yeah. But no, I knew one person with a trust fund and she sucked. <laughs> oh yeah, that person. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. She sucked. Yeah. And dumb as shit. <laughs> she was the one that wanted to redesign stop signs, right? I don't know. Like, yeah. So. Uh, she spoke. I did not pay attention. I remember you saying, like, she wanted to. Do she wanted something. to be in graphic design and redesign stop signs. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Um, okay, so. Because stop signs don't work, right? Anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there was more to that. I yeah, mean, that's I'm like sure. really tertiary information I'm getting, but yeah. still. Um, okay, there were some parts about this that I really, really loved. And why are my not, my notes are not coming up. Page 93, oh. I didn't have any highlights in this book. I was wondering about that. I you didn't. did highlight something about his penis, I think. Oh, probably that. Again, I think it was just like a funny moment. No, probably something like. Oh, no. He is packing, but they they make an excuse for it, I think. Because I think this time he's not just like, oh, my God, he's so huge. He's like problematically big. Really? Yes. And that's why, so he's had a lot of sexual experience with women who want him in the bedroom and can't stand him in real life. So he's like every woman's booty call. Yeah. So it makes sense, especially like in those terms. So I, I like that Jacob has a big penis. And he's got to have something else going for him. Because his personality is not great. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's just every book. I know. It's like. I know. I'm actually like, I'm trying to not do that in my books. And I think it's easily avoidable. Like, just Your don't, book didn't have that. Don't, don't talk, talk about, about penis any... size. Yeah. I don't understand why every guy has to be huge. And then women say, like, size doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter, so why make them huge? And and then you say, then you say romance is a fantasy for women. Like then don't write every guy having this giant yeah, dick. Yeah, like, that's that's pure fantasy. And that's just it's. I don't even mind like the abs. Yeah, and the pecs. Yeah, because anyone can get that. Just don't eat a lot and exercise a lot. And you, they and you'll get that. They talk about that in this book too, and I like that. It. Is what I highlighted. I, think I, I did have that highlight. I thought I highlighted that, but maybe you did. No, it, yeah, that is what I highlighted. But yeah. going back to the other thing, the the abs and the pecs, anyone can get that. You just don't eat as much as you used to eat, and move that more than you used to move, and you'll eventually you'll get it. Yeah, anyone can do that. But the other thing is, I don't want to like go as far as saying it's body shaming, but it kind of is. Well, I think it's the same thing as writing thin women on the page. Because I, I think guys, 
No, because that's the same thing as the abs. No, 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 I don't think so, though. Because I think guys, like, guys who are, like, you know, just dad bod guides, guys, they wouldn't care if they read, um, you know, like, abs all day. I don't think they would care so much about that. I think most guys, some yeah. some some guys are very sensitive about it, but most guys I think would be like, Haha, he has abs and he eats pasta. Like that's not, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think guys are like, but but I'm like normal size. Like I have a six inch penis, and like so what? I'm not good enough for this this bitch who needs like giant. But that's Whatever what I'm penis. saying. Like, you can't help that. There's nothing you can do about that. And I know, I know. But that's what I'm saying. But no, I think for women who are curvy or plus size, not the fact that there was a lack of curvy women in romance okay. for so long, like the the disinclusion what is that called like the dis uh, exclusivity exclusion oh my gosh the exclusion of like any women who are you know not skinny not and you can you know a woman does not have to be described as thin she only needs to be described as how easily a man can manhandle her in the bedroom and the positions that she can get her body into. Yeah. So you know that this woman is skinny because if her legs are squeezed tight together and he can still like finger her, you know, she weighs less than a hundred pounds. Yeah. That's like, you know, her thighs don't touch and most women's thighs touch. But, you know, I think like, oh, and that's another reason we're going to talk about this later in the book. Um, but that's another thing that I think about. Like, well, I, I don't know. To me, like maybe penis size equates to a woman's like body size, because I think that both limit your sexual function to an extent. I think there are accommodations that have to be made with a guy with with a small penis. Small, I'm talking about. Not like average, your average Joe penis. I'm talking about like if you're really small, you have to make accommodations. And if you're a plus size woman, sometimes you have to make accommodations during sex to make sex better and yeah. to make sex reachable and more pleasurable for you. So you can, so both I think are on that are okay. on that equal footing. Um, there's parts that I like. There are, there's going to be a lot of quoting in this episode because the lines are really good. Once you get past Jacob's, I can't do this, but I want to do this. I can't do this, but I want to do this. I want to touch her, but she's an employee. Oh no. <laughs> once you get past that um the book is great once we get into the story it's um it's 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 amazing um and then jacob jacob and eve both have these moments of like lucidity with their own character 
And it's just like so on point. And I don't know if some of them are autism things and some of them are just like things I love. But on page 93, he he talks about. Oh, he, he says something and he just says it point blank. And it, it's it, he always just says everything. Do this like or don't do that or I want it this way or I want um he just he tells her didn't I tell you to take out that he's talking about her airpod and she's like yeah I don't she said didn't I tell you whether I work better with it in and so she she needs this airpod in like she just has one in um when she's cooking because otherwise she totally loses focus like she needs to focus on the music and then the food cooking just happens. And then he's like, but it looks bad. So um, and and he's the boss, so he wins. So. So then he says or the author says he might be tough, he might be harsh, but he didn't do it in the hopes of crushing those around him. He did it with the assumption that if they were stronger, better, right They'd push back. And that is how I feel about life. Like, I don't hem and haw. I say something pretty point blank. I assume if you have any other idea, and I have trampled people in the past and unknowingly, but I assume if you have a better idea or a different idea, or if you have anything to discuss, you're going to push back. So I feel like I felt so in touch with Jacob right there. It's not like I'm trying to trample over people. It's just, why don't you, why don't you say anything? I, why do I have to be the one that like is the trampler? Just don't be the trampolee. Trample back. The trampled. (laughs) Yes, that too. (laughs) So that was number one thing. (laughs) What worked for you. Yeah, what worked for me. Oh, Eve talks about the price, the astronomical price of a decent bra. And she's in England. Where the good bras come from. Where the good bras come from. Actually, I'm starting to get mine from Poland nowadays because the even better ones come from Poland. But if you, you cannot get a good bra in America, um, unless it's, you know, unless you're it's coming through customs. But yes, thank you. Thank you for somebody for somebody mentioning like a good bra and how expensive they are. Um, that's it for that. Uh, uh, uh Well, I did like how uh, what did the, I don't know exactly what they wrote. You have the Kindle. Yeah. What about being in shape? The apps, yeah. But right like, here. but he eats like shit. So I don't understand how this this works. Men who ate nice food like spaghetti bolognese say we're not supposed to also have abs. There was a balance to the universe that had to be observed, and he was observed, and he was shamelessly flouting it. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote an author finally calls it out. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's a good point though that both the authors making and you make because I think. How autistic people eat is they eat a whole lot and then a whole lot of nothing. So I think he eats a lot more nothing 
And then when he does eat... It doesn't make up for what he's not eating. Right. That's pretty typical with autism. Because autistic people eat either seeking sensory tech, seeking sensory experience or avoiding sensory experience. And he might so, be avoiding... Yes. So he eats the same thing all the time. He might eat only spaghetti bolognese, but he eats it like once every other day or once a day. Yeah. And he's so busy around the place. Just burning it all off. Yeah. And he ate like two bites of breakfast. And his he has a weight room in his in his cottage. Yes. Yeah. Where is she sleeping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is she squatting? <laughs> Not no. <laughs> Not squatting the weight, squatting no. as in living there uninvited. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She might be squatting the weights. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think she that was evidenced by the fact that she pushed everything to the side. Yeah. <laughs> See you, weight equipment. I have no use for you. Um, And then the other thing that I liked... Oh, this is another like little quirky thing about this book. He's like, they're, they're doing something during sex. And I think it's the later sex scene. There's two giant sex scenes in this book. Yeah. Um, He says, like, Eve, he said sternly, which got her hot as hell. Do you real? You do realize, don't you, that we should be talking right now, discussing what just happened, and continuing our ongoing and vocal yeah. negotiation of consent, etc. She goes, shut up, Jacob. <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> like, he's like, no, we need vocal consent. She's shut up. But that's great, because he wouldn't know, like, he wouldn't, like... No, okay, it's okay. Obviously, you're consenting. It's not, there's nothing dubious about this. Yeah. You are consenting because you are like going after it right now. Yeah. And she didn't drink at the bar because she didn't want like anything to stop her. I know. I liked that. From having sex with him. And she knew she didn't drink at the bar because she's like, but because if Jacob found out that I had one drop of alcohol, he would say that I was under the influence and he wouldn't allow this to happen. You think she would have done that with, she wouldn't have done, she only did that because it was Jacob. Had it been another guy, she probably would have drank. I don't know. Jacob was so into her. Yeah. As was already evidenced by their previous encounter. He was so into her. I think that he his feelings were just so clear and were probably um, she probably wasn't used to getting that from a lot of men like she she was confident, but she was also aware that she's not everybody's type. Yeah, because she is this big curvy fluff ball. Like she's, I mean, the picture of her on the cover, she's like as wide as she is tall. Well, that's a cartoon. <laughs> I know. I know. But at the same, at, but he describes her as like super fluffy. Yeah. And he like, he loves it. And that's another thing I like. Like he doesn't like he, he just like wants to cuddle her and he just wants to hold her. And there's never like a, um, well, I have a six pack, so I, you know, I should be with a woman who's like fit, a fit bird, <laughs> a fit bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, like he spends so much time working on his own body that, like, I love that that never comes into play. Like, he never makes her feel less than. He's just like, he's so attracted to her and not in a, not in a, like, a fetishizing way. It's just like in a way that, like, but this is Eve. She's, she's my one. She's my fated mate. And, like, I love everything about her. So. Do you have anything else that worked for you? Yeah, I love that. I love how fast they fell in love. Yeah, it was pretty immediate for both of them, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm here for that. <laughs> I, I don't think insta love is anything wrong, and maybe that's because I have autism, and every autistic book they fall head over heels in love really fast, and yeah, so did I. You always, did? yeah, always. Like, I just knew, like, okay, him over there. I'm in love with him. Like, and I could just make it so. Not, not with me, though. Yeah. Well, after, like, after after we start, after I knew we were dating, <laughs> which is, like, two weeks after we started dating, um, then, yeah, I I decided that I was in love with you. And just, like, I don't know. That's just how my brain works. <laughs> I don't have autism, so I couldn't, <laughs> I can't relate to that. And I don't know that every autistic person does, but if you if you read the the kiss quotient, the same thing happens. Like the the whole thing at the beginning was Michael. Michael's like, you know, I can't, you know, I can't do this more than once. Like we can't have this ongoing sexual relationship with the sex lessons because. People have a tendency to like get attached to me. And then she's like, Oh, I, I won't get attached to you. And that's because she's never experienced any kind of love feelings before. Yeah. And then like halfway through the book, she's like, I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> and she's so like lamenting the fact and it's so cute. And she's like, I I didn't think I was gonna it was gonna happen and I'm so sorry, but I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> well the hating and, game too was he he was in love with her right away yeah immediately like yeah his eyes go up and down and out the window and he was in love with her and he also has autism yep joshua templeman all right so did you relate to anything in this book <laughs> I read the book and I was reading Eve Brown. I was like, this sounds like Megan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Done every job you can think of. Yeah. Total deadbeat. And then stumbles into the perfect one. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I'm so Eve Brown. Yep. Except for the music. And I think I'm the opposite with her with music. Like music writing to me is the music to her. Like her big thing is her big thing is music. Like doing things to music. Well, actually her like savantism actually like it's not a savantism, but I'll just the thing her mm, her calling like the the thing that is most meaningful in her life at the end of the book is caring for people. 
And I, I also love that, like an autistic woman and their calling is caring for people. Like it's just really throwing autism for a loop. Yeah. Well, like people's the stereotypes. The stereotypes. Yeah. Autism for and a loop. I think Eve Brown does that all the time. She's got the she's got the things. Like women with autism are often undetected. They go through life like thinking there's something wrong with them. They're like really mature as children and then they somehow like college age yes life passes them by and like all their friends are then more mature and like you're just getting like more and more childlike well i don't know if you're getting more childlike but you're just not you're not moving at the pace you should be moving or you're done developing what do you mean like your social skills and all that stuff where that's why you seem childlike i don't think it's that I d- I'm not. S- I never thought you seemed childlike, though. I feel childlike in terms of my lack of responsibility and the fact that it's not this. Is, ugh, it's not that I am not responsible. It's that I have no inclination to ever have responsibility, and like, I I don't care if I own a house. Like that's not something. I'm completely comfortable being a renter all my life. That's not something I aspire. Like, why does that, why is that like the be all and end all of the adult existence? Like, it's just, I think I just, I I think part of autism is like really rebelling against things that everybody does and things that you're supposed to do. And I, I th- I think for outsiders, it can be like outsiders that have to deal with people like me think I'm like rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. And that is not true at all. It's just that once I see a pattern of something that I don't think should be a pattern, I want to do everything to avoid it. And like the status quo is just so it's like such an abhorrent idea. Like I just don't it's like sameness and just the idea of, you know, middle class American suburban mom life is like my personal hell. So and I'm like living it, but that doesn't mean I can't find ways to like make it more meaningful for me and for my child. And I think I do everything that way. Like I haven't, I've never been able to find a job that just brings home the bacon. It's just not in my nature. Like I don't, and I don't care what kind of nature you can talk about my autistic nature. You can talk about my, like my Pisces star sign. You can talk about my, like that I'm an INFP myers-briggs personality type every one of those things say like i can't just do the work like i have to do something that is like a deep calling i have to be working for a better society and a better world whatever that means to me like that might be a mean that might mean i'm a hitman 
Like, and I'm killing bad guys and that makes the world a better place. Or that means that might mean that I'm like going around the world working for Greenpeace and that makes the world a better place. But whatever it is, like all of the things that are about me, like mean that I have to like do something that is like that I need to do, like not just for a paycheck. And I think Eva's the same way. Um, yeah, and I her... think it really highlights that about like autistic women, like seem like deadbeats, but it's not that they're deadbeats. It's that they need to find their true calling and they cannot do what is not their true calling or else it just won't work. So. I was going to say, and that's, that's what... That was highlighted in the book where she she did these jobs and she did them well, but she just didn't stay in them. I did everything that I had. Everything, every time I had a job, I performed it excellently. It's just something would happen and, and I was dying inside. Yeah. I remember when you worked at the bank. That was terrible. Oh, God. I also had horrible bosses. Yeah. At the bank. Well, I had a horrible boss until I got moved and then I, I just, I got moved to a position or a branch and they created a position that did not need to be created. And it meant that all I did was sit at a computer all day and play solitaire. And then every, but before that I was like, like harassed by my boss on a daily basis that like if I wasn't on the phone calling people to get them to bring in their deposits, like you, like you're, I signed up to be a bank teller. Like all I'm supposed to do is say hi, welcome to the bank. Can I like you know take their money, count it, give them change back, cash their paychecks, and then I'm supposed to like go through lists of who has more than $10,000 in cash in the bank in our branch and call every single person and beg them to go either like sign up for a line of credit or like it's ridiculous. It was so ridiculous to work for a bank that is trying to compete with a big bank and stay afloat. And that was just yeah, that was I did it though. I did it for a long time. And then I went to midwifery school. So I, I think you did midwifery school more as a uh, like to get ready for your own labor. I didn't think I was doing that. I think that's what it was, though. Because as soon as Hank was born, like I'm done with that. No, that wasn't it at all. As soon as Hank was born, I was like so depressed, and I was my body was so broken. Like, my body is still not recovered from having him. Um, But my body was so broken, I physically couldn't do the work. And I didn't have anyone to watch him. Yeah. That's the main reason. Like, I just couldn't be a midwife because I would have to be at births for 24 hours. And I had a baby that I was the only caretaker for. I couldn't, I didn't have anyone to leave him with. Yeah. So that's why... It's not, I mean, I would be a midwife to this day. It would be a bad career choice. I should have gone back to med, med school and be an obstetrician. But, um, 
But yeah, but now I'm a writer. Yeah. And I can write about all the things that I'd like to do. Which seems almost better. Yes. Because you don't actually have to do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you relate to Eve and Jacob? Or No, I related to Eve. I didn't relate to either of them. Yeah. I guess I related to Mont. Mont. <laughs> yes. You are you are the you're the helper. You're the guy behind the scenes that is like that's there shows up when when you need him is a good friend and and tells your friend when they're being an idiot. Yeah. I I don't I rarely relate to the main character. Which I is, think it's cuz you're not very like emotional. Which is why I'm like really pumped for the Quan book to come out. Yeah. Yeah, but he's going <laughs> to fall in love too and you're going to have to, you know. Yeah. You know, trudge through that muck as well. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I didn't relate to anyone. I mean, yeah. I related to Eve when her parents were grilling her. Because I think we all can at some point. Yeah. But as far as like a deep connection, nah, not with anyone in this book. I, I love that he was sort of, um he, Jacob was sort of hinting. After um, he had gotten to know her a little bit, and it's and it's really that he noticed her like humming this weird tune all the time, and he asks her, uh, "Are do you know what stimming is?" Yeah. <laughs> and and she was like, "Oh, do you do you mean you need to stim? Okay, I I give permission, I give you permission to stim," and and he's thinking, "No." I, that's not like I don't need your permission. First of all, and second of all, that's I wasn't talking about me. So, and then she figures it out. Like, oh, he meant me stimming. Oh, well, do I have autism? And she just googles it, like, like autism in adult women. She's like, yeah, I have autism. Okay, that solves a lot of things. And then yeah. she's she's like fine with it. She says there's a point in the, the Google search where it it's like how to come to terms with your adult autism or adult female autism. Because it's not that autism is any different for women. It just looks a lot different because we're better at hiding it. And we're better at just kind of overcoming it to look like normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, yeah, I don't really have to come to terms with it. Like, she just immediately comes to terms with it. And I love that. And says, my whole family is autistic. Yes. <laughs> so, By this diagnosis. I love that. Um, And she doesn't, yeah, I don't think she seeks out a diagnosis because she's like, what's the point? I mean, I have a trust fund, so I don't need to get the government money yeah. for having a disability. And it's not... Like, I debate whether or not it's a disability. I think for some people it can be, I think, think more often. I think the comorbidities are. Yes, I think more often than not, it's not the autism that is making your life, is that is making you disabled. It's it's the crap that goes along frequently with it. It's like the OCD and the depression 
and um, the anxiety and the whatever, like low IQ or savantism or both of those things together. It's like that all the other weird stuff that often accompanies autism I that makes you have a disability. Eve, I Eve think just and Jacob probably both just have autism. Yeah, I think Eve might have ADHD. Okay. Which is also another like huge, like yeah. very common comorbidity. I have both. Um, and there's so many, there's a lot of symptoms that overlap. But to me, when I was reading her, I read her as ADHD, like inattentive type ADHD, which is often looks a lot like autism. It's like autism is inattentive type ADHD plus sensory issues. Essentially. So you like, you really want to feel things. Yeah. Or you want, like, I, I, I play with my fingernails and like tap my toes and <laughs> like those are my. That's how you stim. Yeah. And I'm always thinking a song in my head, but I don't sing because I don't let it out. There's always like, there's always a, a beat that's going on. And I'm always like dancing like <laughs> in my head. And Hank does it too. Like he dances at night with his butt. Yeah. And like, I can tell the song that he's playing in his head. Really? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> what do you mean he dances with his butt? He like clenches his butt so it kind of like moves his body just like a little tiny bit when he's laying in bed trying to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, And he really likes one of the podcasts that we listen to. Like he loves the theme song. So he like he dances to that with his butt. <laughs> he's falling asleep. <laughs> he doesn't know he's doing it. <laughs> but I know which songs he likes because when he's like dancing with his butt. Um, <laughs> there is two more things that I think have to deal with autism, but I'm trying to figure out. Um, if I want to describe them. Well. I think, no, I think we're good. I yeah, think I, I think explained so it enough. Other the per, like when she, she does talk about like, she has to, she might not have to come to terms with her autism, but she has to come to terms with the fact that people have always mistreated her. Mm -hmm. And now she can, she can like, like. Like she said, her friends never really felt like her friends. And I totally feel that. Like she always felt like she was like, if Eve was there, fine. If she wasn't there, nobody missed her. My life story. Like up until college. Yeah. Like, nobody gave a shit. And she said she was always aware that most people didn't want her around badly enough to put up with difficult conversations, constant complaints. Like, that is, she was used to swallowing her feelings and replacing them with a smile to playing the role she'd been, in which she'd been cast. I so relate. Like... I think we all can in some way. I think so too. I think so too. Um, but yeah, I really feel like the people didn't want her around badly enough to put up with difficult conversations. That's why I'm always fine. 
Like, and I think that's true for like that's not an autism trait. I think that's every that's an a lot of people trait. But I think yeah, I'm like I don't like know how to have difficult conversations, so I just don't. But I'm really good at swallowing things. So Yeah. And it's not because I want to or that like I'm protecting myself. It's just like I mean, the people that are like supposed to be there for you in life have all walked away. So you can talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think a lot of people I know are like that, where they just they don't want to have that difficult conversation because everyone is so non-confrontational now, too. I don't. I don't. I think for me and Eve, <laughs> because we are like tight, um, it's it's like not even the it's like it's just the fact that you're a nuisance. Uh, I think that's more how you perceive it, but I don't think people other people see you as a nuisance. Well, I think now that I've reached the point in my life where I don't give a shit about anybody, it's it's gotten better. Yeah. But when I used to care, like nobody else did. Who? Anybody before I met you. I think your three three f- friends care. Your three closest friends. Yeah. They care. Yeah. I mean, as you get older, do you really need more than three friends? No, I don't. And now <laughs> I'm fine. But I think you've, like, really screwed me up. Yeah. Like, even my dad didn't care. Yeah, but your dad wasn't great. Your dad wasn't a nice, good person. <sighs> yeah, but I'm saying, like... He's, he's like one of two people who really should care. Yeah, it's true. So I think like from a young age, because it didn't just stop when my mom and I left. It like his caring stopped like it never started. Well, he was a bad dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was a bad dad. That's what you have to tell yourself. And it is. No, it's what I have told myself. I mean, it doesn't hurt any less. It just... I'm crying because I'm mad. Um, (laughs) But I... Like... You have these people that, like, birth you. And they're supposed to set you up for success. And they're supposed to, like, show you how you should be treated. And how how do you expect to be, like, how do you expect to find good treatment if you're never, like, shown Shown, it? Yeah. Ugh, we need to get off this topic. (laughs) Well, I don't know how we can go on to the next one from this. (laughs) (laughs) This book was really hot. (laughs) 
Well, the next topic is the book boner and Scoville levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the book boner is what? The one to ten? I will never remember. <laughs> <laughs> um. The, yeah, that's the one to ten. And the Scoville is the bell pepper to the the uh, Carolina Reaper. Yeah. So, I think book boner was one to five. No. Is it? Yes, yeah. one to five. So one being Dr. Seuss and <laughs> ten being Sierra Simone. I'm going to give this one. No, five being Sierra Simone. Yeah. No, it's ten. It's ten. The Scoville level is only five. Okay. The book boner level is ten. Okay. So ten is Sierra Simone. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah? Yeah. That's high for you. That's high for me. That surprises me. I thought you were going to like <laughs> really hate it. Like I give it a nine. A nine? Yeah. Which is also high for me. Why'd you give it a nine? <sighs> because I love it when a guy is just all about like pleasing a woman. Yeah. And like the whole I love the whole sex the whole first sex scene. She sets up a friend date. She decides they're gonna be friends and friends watch they're not watching a movie. They're watching The Stars. The stars. Which is like you know, I'm not into that, but they are and that's really cool. And they're listening to music together. And it's not awkward. It's not like with me. Like if I had to just sit somewhere and listen to music. Well they're I'd laying in the same bed. They're laying in the same bed, but she set up this nice friend date and they're having a great conversation. And then he like shifts and pulls out her like vibrator. 12 inch purple glittery vibrator. Yeah. So. And he's just like staring at it. And she's like, you should probably put that down. And he doesn't. And I was like, oh, wow. He doesn't put it down and he knows where that has been. And I just think like it shows his confidence and it shows how much he's into her. And I love it when the sex isn't about sex. It's about showing that person like how much you care. And if it's like really hot on top of that, like it's so much better. So he ends up like. I don't know. We're not going to ruin the sex scene, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. Um, and he also just like he really like takes matters in his own hands, and, and so like, does she in the second. And one. then she, yeah, they yeah they have that turn taking, and that's really great too. Yeah, the second sex scene I was a little like skeeved out by. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. I like it when the man is in control, and nah. he just like does things to the woman. <laughs> Which is how, which is what the first sex scene is. But the fact that she's okay. So here's the thing. So she's out of this bar and she's wearing Chuck Taylors and no socks. Ugh. Yeah. So that starts everything out. So I'm thinking she takes off her shoes. She's standing with her shoes in her hand. She's barefoot in his office. I'm thinking her feet stink so bad. Yeah. Like, he can probably smell them across the office. Because she said she doesn't have socks on. She's chucks, which are notoriously stinky. 
With socks on. <laughs> and then she's like, she puts his feet on the desk. All I can think of is like, oh, dirty feet, dirty feet, dirty feet, dirty feet. I guess and I then... must have skimmed the, the feet part. <laughs> the no when... socks part. I, I hate being barefoot. I think it is like a disgusting, vile feeling. I need socks on at all times. Oh. I hate it. I hate feet so much. I love being barefoot. I kicked my high school boyfriend down the stairs because he tried to take my socks off one day. And I, it was an accident, but it was because I like I jerked. He was trying to get them off my feet. I did not let that happen. And he like tumbled down the stairs and it was really bad. But that's like how bad. Like I'm not let up on the socks thing. <laughs> you wearing socks? Now? I'm wearing socks. I'm not. Uh, figures. I don't care if you don't wear socks. I don't like my feet without socks in them. Unless it's in bed. Cause I like the feeling of the sheets on my feet. Um but yeah, so I'm thinking her feet stink so bad. And then, like, I don't know what time of year this takes place, but it's not a cold time of year. Uh-uh. She was, she's wearing this, like, slinky tight dress and no underwear, and she just walked home from the pub. And she's a chubby girl. So I'm thinking she is a sweaty, nasty mess under this dress. And she's spread eagle. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, I, it's great that he's into this, but if it was me, I'd be like, uh, I've got to like, you know, use like use a baby wipe, something, take a shower, like just. This is what I was thinking about the whole time. Yeah, like, okay. So she fair wears enough. no underwear, and you know, chubby girls have chub rub, and I'm sure even skinny girls whose thighs don't touch, if it's hot and you're walking, you're sweating somewhere your body parts are touching and your skin is rubbing somewhere like this is not a unique phenomenon to fat people like skinny people sweat too when it's hot outside and you know underwear is there so you don't get yeast infections and this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm thinking so this is why sex scene number two is not hot to me okay i'm thinking yeast infections feet fungus like (laughs) sweaty thighs rubbing together it's like and he's going down there like just i would not good for you jacob that these things don't matter to you but (laughs) i feel like this is like this should matter to you yeah i think it should too so there okay you still rated higher than me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the first scene was so good because okay, they're so both clean the, <laughs> the scoville level was it a carolina reaper mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was that hot yes because it's it's as hot as you can get for me without having like really kinky stuff yeah like they they use a dildo i'm fine with sex toys and sex scenes like great so, you know, that's like not even kink anymore. I no, think that's just pretty mainstream. Normal. And I don't like kink, so I think this is much like as much sexy as you can get. The fact that he licks the dildo before he inserts it, I was kind of like, mm. but it's all about for her. So I'm kind of, I can see it. <laughs> no, you would never do that. 
I wouldn't, I don't know how I would, like, I would, it would not be hot for me to watch you do that. So it's fine for Eve, but yeah. No. There's lube. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, but they didn't have lube in her little. I mean, it was kind of, it was good that he took matters in, into in, into his own hands again. I'll, I guess I'll agree with you, Carolina. I didn't think about this one too much. And I forget what the peppers are in between. <laughs> and I liked that, okay, in the sex, second sex scene, she's like naked on his desk, spread eagle, because he takes her dress off. And she's like begging for sex. And and he keeps like denying her. He keeps shutting yeah, her down. I didn't like that. I did because she needed to be like super drenched. Oh. Or they could have just used lube, but whatever. We'll have to wait for um <sighs> Suzanne Park, I think. Suzanne Park or Tian Kim. Yeah. The book Happy Endings. Yes, it's the book Happy Endings that's coming out in May th- May 13th. Um by Tian Kim and I'm no I'm not saying her first name right. I don't know how to say that name. Um, and it's about a Vietnamese um, sex. I think that's right. Sex, not therapist, but I don't know. She's like big sex person. <laughs> big sex person? <laughs> yes. Like her job is to promote good sex. I think the characters might be Chinese. So because I the author was just talking about how... Um, how it's taboo in Chinese culture, or it might she might have said Asian American culture that women, um, like women's sexuality is still taboo, and so she purposely made this this character um, like a sex therapist, and she wrote about sex toys and lube, and her big thing is um, normalizing lube in romance books. Yeah, I think that's great. And Why wouldn't because, you? What I mean? Well, it's kind. I mean, not every man needs to have a giant penis. Not every woman needs to drench her panties at the sight of her boyfriend. Which because she that did. doesn't always happen. Which which Eve did. Right. And that's fine. That's still, you know, I I think women need that. Women need to read about that. I think women need to read about what their own physiological reaction should be more than they need to read about a big penis. Why? I think it gets them hotter. Oh, okay. Because when you read about like the woman's physiological reaction, you start to think about your own physiological reaction. If you just like a big penis is just like, all right, it's just a big dick. Like that doesn't really, it doesn't equate. I think. Like, because women can't feel that. Yeah. They don't have a source of reference. <laughs> unless. Unless they do. Yeah. <laughs> unless they do. Unless they've come in contact with one. <laughs> oh, I was thinking unless they're, you know, women with penises, like trans oh. women. Okay. <laughs> Which case you would, you would feel that. All right, so with that, I don't have anything else to add. I've added way too much. This was a 
a Megan episode. She carried, she carried the episode. It wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> uh, we thank you for listening. Don't forget to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.